0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I'm glad you came this morning. I'm looking forward to celebrating Thanksgiving with you. And uh, this morning is Thanksgiving Sunday. We've been talking about Thanksgiving for a long time. If you're new here with us, uh, just want you to know that we uh, celebrate Thanksgiving for four Sundays, not just one. And we also meet on Thanksgiving Eve because we believe that there's so much to give thanks for that we just can't do it all in one service. Uh, we got to keep spreading it out. And we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 61 and recognize how God has blessed us over and over again. And, and as we've talked, we've decided that God didn't just bless us in the past, but God wants, to, wants us to give thanks for what's yet to come. And so this morning, we continue looking at Isaiah 61, and we're at the very end, verses 10 and 11. Would you look, that, look at that with me? Isaiah writes this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes a sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Together. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to be in your house and to worship you. Thank you for the many blessings you've given us. Thank you for all the answers to prayer we have seen. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers and and for stepping into our lives in powerful ways. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we lifted up our concerns to you, you were listening, that you've already begun to touch and to heal and to work. and, And we praise you for that. We look forward, Lord, to seeing how you will work. And we pray, Father, that you would open our hearts this morning that we would be open to your word, that we would respond to you. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for you, our King and our Lord and our God. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. (coughs) Excuse me. So, this is the year, and I hope that uh, you are prepared for the year coming up because I believe God is going to do great things. I know that the world will tell you differently, and if you watch the news, they'll tell you that tomorrow is not going to be a good thing. Uh, but I believe, oh, and by the way, it's time for children's church if you want your children to go to children's church. I always forget that. Um, I, I don't know why. I always forget that first service. Um, so, if your children want to head to children's church, you can go. Uh, please. Make sure they get there. <laughs> That's always fun. Uh, so uh, I believe that this year God's going to do great things despite what the world is saying. Uh, the world is talking about how, the, how everything's getting worse and everything's going downhill and it, it's just going to get bad and it's going to get horrible. And, and I just want you to know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has your future in mind. And your future and mine for him is a positive thing. He's looking ahead, and he's got great things for you this coming year. And Isaiah has been opening us that up to that. I hope you have heard Isaiah open us up to that uh, in Isaiah chapter 61. And and he started out by talking how everything's going to be new. And the scripture says that God's going to make all things new. And this coming year, everything's going to be different. Your home's going to be different. Your work's going to be different. If you go to school, that's going to be different. If you've never gone to school you might go to school everything is going to be new this year because God is doing new things in our lives and it's exciting now new things can be scary Right. If you're here for the first time, you may be thinking, "Man, this is kind of weird. I've never been to this place, and I don't know when to stand, and I don't know when to sit." And I, don't. I get that. I've been to churches. I've visited churches. I know what that's like. It's new. That doesn't make it bad, right? You might enjoy some parts of worship. I hope. I hope you get something out of what God says this morning. I hope that you get touched by the Spirit of God. So it's not just about us, right? We want to see what God is going to do. It's new, and God also said He's going to rebuild our past. He's going to rebuild our past, and that to me is exciting. This year, he wants to start rebuilding your past. Now, you have a part to play in that, right? Uh, You can't just say, okay, God, I I know that in the past I've been dealing with this problem, uh, and I'm not going to deal with it anymore. It's just all better. A lot lot of churches talk like that. You know, you just give it to Jesus, and it's all done, right? Uh, But that's not frequently the way it works. Once in a while, God will step in and just remove it. That's great. But most of the time, God calls us to be a part of that process. And that you may need to talk to somebody. You may need to work through something with somebody. You may, so it's not just about, oh, it's going to happen. When they went to rebuild the temple, it didn't, they didn't just walk into Jerusalem and say, hey, God, rebuild the temple. And poof, there it was. Um, they, God expected them to be a part of that process. And a reminder there again. When they rebuilt the temple, remember the people who knew the old temple, they cried because it wasn't near as big, it wasn't near as beautiful, it wasn't near as uh, what they thought it should look like. And sometimes we look at our future and we compare it to our past. We say, well, this isn't what, you know, it was in the good old days. Um, And of course, that's always a a, a funny phrase, right? Good old days. Uh, Because in the good old days, they didn't have plumbing and electric either. I just want to remind you of that. Uh, In the good old days... Uh, we had to flip our phone open, and it was hard to text. Okay, I, I just, you know, actually in the good old days, you had to take your finger and go like this on the dial, you and there was a line, and there was a line that connected you to the, uh, yeah, and for those who, for those of you uh, a little older, you might remember the good old days where you moved the phone like this, <coughs> excuse me, um, So, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad that we moved beyond that. Uh, I like my plumbing. I like my electric. Uh, So, the good old days is kind of a a strange term, but I want you to know that God has new things planned for us. He's rebuilding our past. It's going to be different, but it's going to be better. And and we discovered, I hope you discovered as we talked about that, that even in the temple, they discovered that new things were awesome and God was doing new things connected to their past. But it's, it's part of their future. And then uh, last week we talked about all the blessings that God was going to offer, a double portion. Remember that? It's like that double latte. I mean, you know, it's not just one latte in the morning to get you going. It's one latte to get you going and one latte to set you on fire. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you've ever seen somebody who's drank two lattes first thing in the morning, I mean, their eyes are, are booging. I mean, they're ready. Um, And and God has offered us a double portion. This year will be a year of double portion as he blesses us beyond measure. And as he does that, we will get more, I hope, get more and more excited about what God is doing. Um, Now, for those of you who are new with us, you may not know, but at the end of the year, I will no longer be the pastor here. Uh, God has called me to another place. And I'm talking about the future, uh, and I talk about us in the future because I believe that God has a future for this church, which is exciting and and beyond uh, belief. God has someone new. Uh, God has a a new plan, a new direction. and, And I believe that God has a new plan for us as we go. So all of this applies to all of us. Okay, so it's not just about me, and it's not just about you, it's about us. God wants to work in our lives. This is the year. And today, we're going to talk about the most exciting part of Isaiah's 61st chapter, and and this is why it's exciting, because you see, God wants a relationship with us, and He wants that relationship to increase. He wants us to be closer. He wants us to have that time together that is just beyond awesome. And so, this morning, we can give thanks for how God is going to increase His relationship with us. You with me? And, and we want to talk this morning about relationships. You know, on Thanksgiving, uh, most of you will sit down to a meal, and there will be someone who, with whom you have a relationship of some kind who has worked very hard to make sure that meal gets put on that table, right? Right? Now, there may be a whole lot of people who've come together to make it happen, but somebody's in charge of that, and somebody has put together the extra work, and somebody has gone above and beyond. I mean, somebody has given their all to make this day happen. Somebody made to make sh- had to make sure that somebody else vacuumed the floor, and they had to make sure – or they vacuumed the floor themselves – or they had to make sure that somebody cleared the table and made sure everything was clean, washed the dishes, or They may have done done that themselves. Somebody had to put together that turkey and make sure that it was was roasted. They had to make sure there was turkey. They had to make sure there was stuffing. Uh, Some had to make sure there was broccoli. Uh, And they, they brought it all together, and they made sure it all happened. Somebody had to be, listen, somebody had to do the extra part. You with me? And frequently, you and I both know, frequently that person doesn't ask other people. Frequently that person is the one who's doing the extra, right? Don't lose me now. When was the last time you stopped before the meal and said, hey, we need to stop and thank this person for all the extra work they've done? You see, I... I'm convinced that we've become very unappreciative in our world today. Uh, thank you very seldom gets said. And when it is said, it's usually said kind of as a, an aside. Oh, oh yeah, thank you. As a matter of fact, I've heard people say to other people, well, you're welcome. Before they've even, have you ever done that? Don't, that's, that's rude. Don't do that. Uh, but but uh, nobody, of course, has ever done that to me. Uh, but they say, you, they say you're welcome before you even have a chance to say thank you because they're convinced nobody's going to notice, nobody's going to say it. When is the, war, when is the church going to stand up and be a people who are truly a people who give thanks? When we could give thanks ahead of time. Thank you. You could thank the person who's in charge today before they even get the meal together. Thank you for being willing to put this together. I'm looking forward to sitting at that table because I know that you're going to do an awesome job putting this together. Do you suppose the meal might be a little better if you started giving thanks in advance? What I want you to hear is Thanksgiving is all about relationships. It's all about building each other up. It's all about working together. It's all about being in relationship with one another. And Isaiah notes that this morning. And I don't want you to miss it. Because Isaiah starts with that most important relationship. And he says, I want to give thanks to my God. And I want to give thanks to my God for what? For salvation. That's where he starts. I want to give thanks to my God for my relationship with my God. Now, of course, that can only happen if you have a relationship with God, right? Now, I'm assuming because, and maybe this is a big assumption, I don't know why you're here, I guess, but my guess is most of you are here because you decided it would be good to have a relationship with God, whether that's because you've seen someone else with a relationship with God, or whether because uh, you've recognized that these people have a relationship with God and they seem to be different, or whether you just decided to come this morning because you thought, hey, there's something missing in my life, maybe there is a God. I don't know why you're here this morning, but I want you to know that God desperately wants a relationship with you. And as we begin to work our way into that relationship and open ourselves up to the Almighty God, we can't help but give thanks because we begin to realize that He has done some incredible things for us and wants to continue to do incredible things in our lives as that relationship begins to mature and grow. You with me? Don't get lost. This is important stuff. So people say to me, so... If God loves us so much that he saved us, the question is, what has he saved us from, right? That's what we always want to know. So what is it that God has saved us from? And this is an important question. And God is very clear about what he has saved us from. He saved us from brokenness. And if you're here this morning, you're feeling broken, I want you to know that Jesus came into this world to heal your brokenness. That's his desire. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to begin to do that this morning. You say, well, yeah, I've heard that before. And by the way, we call this brokenness sin. That's what we use for the word for brokenness. And, and Jesus wants to heal that brokenness. And if you would open your heart to him and ask him to come in and forgive you and transform you, he will begin to heal that brokenness. It's awesome. He wants to save you from brokenness. He also wants to save you from death. And this is an awesome gift that he offers us, right? He wants to give us eternal life. You say, Well, well I believe when I die, that's all there is. That's 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 it. Well, I'll tell you what, I haven't been to a funeral yet where people have said, Oh, pfft, that's it. You know what I hear? Oh, well, they've gone to a better place. Well, why would you say that? I mean, I think we all know within ourselves that there's something more than this. There's got to be something more than this. And the good news is the Bible talks about what is more. And what is more is eternal life. And Jesus died in our place to forgive us our sins so that we could have eternal life. It's awesome. He offers to save us from that. He offers to save us from hell. You see, we all have eternal life according to Scripture. Scripture says there's either one of two eternal lives you have. You either have eternal life with God and know His peace and His love and His joy and all the wonderful gifts of the Spirit, or you have eternal life without God. And you know the emptiness and the ugliness and the brokenness. Uh, We frequently give the image, the Scripture gives the image of being burnt because that's like the worst thing you can imagine. If you've ever been burnt, you know what that feels like. And to be constantly burnt and never... Uh, overcome that it has to be a horrible experience it's like totally being separated from God and Jesus came so that we could no longer be separated from God but have a relationship with God and in that relationship be forever with God in eternal life so that after we die we don't just die and there's nothing we don't just die and go to hell we die and go to heaven be with God and experience his blessing and love for all eternity In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul put it this way. Where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory over death, victory over hell, and victory over sin. That's all great. You with me? That's not the point I want to make. That's incredible stuff. If we stop there, we could give thanks for the rest of our lives. But God has even more. Jesus wanted more for us. You see, it's not just saved from what, it's saved To what? It's not just saved from what. The question is, what are you saved to? And God has offered us many gifts that He has saved us to. First of all, He saved us to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is awesome. That means you don't have to wait till you die to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to be at work in your life today. He wants to walk with you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to help you. He wants to put your life together, kind of like the person for Thanksgiving who's putting Thanksgiving together. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. So that when the time comes when you face the struggle, you face the trial, or you get to that point where you're going to really have to decide and make decisions what you're going to eat at Thanksgiving, he's right there saying, this is what's best for you, and you're ready to make those decisions. You see, that's a great thing. You are saved for a relationship or to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not just saved to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're saved to abundant life. We talked about this last week, so I don't want to give a lot of time to this, but I want to remind you that Jesus wants that relationship with you so that as you go through life, your life is the best that it can be. Abundant, full, not just existing, but really being in a relationship with Jesus Christ and able to make those decisions that will make your life go the best way. Notice I didn't say the easiest way. I said, the best way, one of the biggest things I've discovered being a follower of Jesus Christ is that he doesn't always lead me in places that are good and fun and exciting. He frequently leads me to places that are difficult and a trial and a struggle. You say, well, then why would you be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, because when I get to those places that are difficult, a trial and a struggle, because I'm following Jesus, he shows me the way through so I don't get stuck in those things. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to face some trials and struggles. And how will you know how to get through? It's like having a GPS or a J-E-S-U-S. And so you're trying to find your way. You know, The only problem is that analogy falls short because how many of you have ever used a GPS and ended up in the wrong spot? Uh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when Tom Barnett got his first GPS, and he punched in home, and it took him to Dairy Queen. I said, "I want your GPS. <laughs> That's the GPS I want." <laughs> that to me is an awesome. Yeah, but but see, and as you're following Jesus through these struggles and through these trials, you begin to rise above, and you begin to get encouraged, and you begin to see how He works, and you see your life then has is full of meaning and purpose and direction. It's awesome stuff. You're saved to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're saved to an abundant life. It's kind of like marriage. Um, You know, a lot of people think uh, that once you sign on the dotted line with marriage, well, that's it, then you're married, right? And the truth of the matter is, to a certain extent, that's true. But if that's all you do, how long is that piece of paper going to last? Not very long, right? you got to work at marriage. Uh, marriage is work. And as you work and, and put your all into that, and the other person puts their all into that, you begin to realize what an awesome thing marriage can be. If you don't put your all into that, and they don't put their all into that, you discover what a struggle marriage can be. Okay? Now, God's desire is for you to have abundant life and to be in a relationship with Him that continues to grow and continues to bring good things and, and life and excitement. But you have a choice. You, a lot of people today think that, uh, that Christianity is all about uh, making this one commitment. To say, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And there's truth to that. But if that's all you do, you miss what you're saved to. You only get what you're saved from. You with me? Listen, it's very important. Uh, because I I want you to be saved from. That's important stuff. I want you to sign your name on that dotted line. But that's not all I want for you, and that's not all God wants for you. You see, he wants you to have that relationship so that you're not just saved from, but you're saved to. You with me? Good stuff. Good stuff. Isaiah wants you to know that you can give thanks for this relationship, you see, because you are saved too. And I hope that this year you begin to recognize some of those things that Jesus has saved you too, okay? Now, now, that's not all. That would be great. We could stop there and give thanks for the rest, but I got about 10 more minutes, so I'm not done yet, okay? And Isaiah doesn't stop there. He begins to talk about something that's really important. He begins to talk about wedding clothes. Now, if you don't think wedding clothes are important, you haven't been involved in a wedding of late, uh, I learned very quickly that wedding clothes are important. The color of your tie is desperately important. A- and it doesn't matter how much that tie costs. If it matches, that's the one you want. A- and I've I discovered that wedding clothes are incredibly important today. Now, some of you are shaking your head. No, when I got married, we did. okay, whatever. And some of you get married and whatever, and that's fine. That's good for you. Uh, but most people today, when they get married, they're all worried about what they're going to wear. Okay. What are the wedding clothes going to look like? And, and it's not really about the wedding clothes, right? It's about what, the way things look. They want things to look right. Now, who cares how they look? Well, I can tell you the bride cares how they, were, how they look. And this is why she cares, because she knows there's going to be pictures after the wedding, and she wants everything to look right. And that's important. It is important. Because it talks about their relationship and the importance of their relationship. It's okay. Wedding clothes can be important. And Isaiah recognized that in his culture, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah says, wedding clothes are important. And what you're wearing is important. And he wants you to see that it affects, it's a part of your relationship, right? If you, if you ask a girl out and you go looking like a slob, I can guarantee you your second date may, I can't guarantee you, but I can pretty much guarantee you that that second date won't happen. Because she thinks she's important enough for you to look halfway decent when you come to pick her up. And she is, by the way. And you should treat her that way. Guys, when you go out with a girl, look nice, for heaven's sakes. You can wear a hockey jersey, that's okay. I'm good with that. In a suit. Yes, there you go. Look nice. Don't wear those pants where we can see the backside. We don't want to see the backside. Wear something nice. Look good. Show her that she's worth it. You understand what I'm saying? You see, clothes are important. And Isaiah says our clothes are important in our relationship with Jesus. You see, he's a, he comes, Jesus comes to adorn us. To put clothes on us. And he says, it's like a, when a bridegroom puts this doohickey on their head. Just like a priest would wear. Now you see, we don't understand that because we don't, we don't wear stuff on our head. But he says, crown yourself, put on this headset of salvation. You see, God wants everyone to see your relationship with Him. He wants you to wear that headset of salvation. That's important stuff. And if you wear your headset of salvation, it's kind of awesome because everybody can see it and everybody knows then that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't hide Jesus behind your back, and you don't hide Jesus uh, underneath your outer clothes. You wear Jesus where everybody can see him. Now, I'm not saying that you beat people with Jesus, right? You don't go with the Bible and smack them on the head and say, oh, you're bad. Boom. I know a lot of Christians that do that. Uh, Oh, you're bad again. Boom. It's like they're walking around with a Bible looking to knock somebody out. Those we call Pharisees. Okay, Those are Pharisees. No, we're talking about your relationship with God and sharing that relationship with others. I've seen people who fall in love. And it's funny how they can't but share with their friends the person with whom they've fallen in love. Oh, he's so precious. You know what he did yesterday? He actually looked at me and said, Hi, I couldn't believe it. Well, we're talking probably junior high at that point. Uh, but but, but it, it, that, that whole imagery just has to be multiplied as you get older, right? Because it doesn't change. You want to share, hey, I have this relationship with this person and it's just awesome. And I, I just want you to know. And you begin to share it. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about beating people with it. We're just talking about in everyday conversation. I just want you to know, I have a friend named Jesus. Can I share with you who my friend is all about? You see, it's like putting it on your head. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul calls it a helmet of salvation. You remember that? He says, uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and use those in your life. You see, but but Isaiah says, it's not just this sharing your relationship with others. That's awesome. He says, but also adorn yourself like, like a bride puts jewelry on, Okay, And so in Isaiah's culture, they they wore a lot of jewelry, actually. Jewelry was important. And so she puts this jewelry on. Does she have to wear jewelry? No, of course not. Most of the brides I see are beautiful without jewelry. As a matter of fact, on their wedding day, I have yet to see a woman who isn't beautiful. And it has nothing to do with the clothes they wear or what they put on their body. They're gorgeous because they're excited about this person with whom they're in love. Right? So that changes their continents. You look at them and you think, wow, she's beautiful. Look at her. Wow. And, and one of my favorite parts of the whole wedding is when, when the groom is standing up front and the bride gets in the door. And I love it because if things are the way they should be, that, that groom's eyes just light up. And her eyes light up. And, and I love it when she, she's not looking where she's walking. Now, a lot of times, scare, you know, fear steps in, right? And they watch where they walk because they're afraid of tripping or doing something. But what's really fun is when they're looking at the groom. And the groom's looking. You know what I'm talking about? And there's that connection. Isn't that awesome? And, and she looks be- She doesn't need jewelry. Listen very carefully. She doesn't need jewelry. So then why does Isaiah make a big point? About the bride wearing jewelry. Well, I want to share with you a little bit about Hebrew poetry. Are you willing to do that with me? So if you have your Bibles open, look, look at Isaiah chapter 61 again. This is important because Isaiah says, For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Okay? And then his second phrase is, And arrayed me with a robe of righteousness. Okay? So those are two separate phrases that he says. Then he repeats those phrases in different words. That's Hebrew poetry, and that's what Isaiah is using. And this is what he says. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. In other words, those are like clothes of salvation, garments of salvation. That, that connects. The next thing that Isaiah talked about was a robe of righteousness. And he says, as a bride adorns herself with jewelry. Okay, here's the point. You see, the bride already has a relationship with the groom. And they're going to cement that relationship in this, in this wedding. She doesn't need the jewelry. She puts on the jewelry because it makes her look even more beautiful. And she, she feels more beautiful. And she's hoping her husband looks at her jewelry and says, and of course he doesn't see any of that, but looks at her jewelry and says, wow, that's awesome. That makes you even look more beautiful, if that's possible. And you see, in the Hebrew poetry, this jewelry imagery connects with the idea of of the righteousness. This is what he says. Arrayed in a robe of righteousness. Now I want to be very clear about something. You don't have to be righteous to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people misunderstand that. They think, well, I have to be good enough in order for God to love me. You don't have to be good enough for God to love you because God already loves you just the way you are. With it, with or without righteousness, He loves you. So the question is then, why be righteous at all? Well, because when you're righteous, you have right relationships with other people, and that makes your life and your marriage, your relationship to God, even more exciting. It just takes it to the next level. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you, you then are, as it were, married to Him. You are now in a relationship with Him. And in that relationship, He makes you righteous. That's all there is to it. You say, oh, so I don't have to do anything right after that? No, you don't have to. But that's like getting married and signing on the dotted line and then going off and having affairs. What's going to happen to that relationship? However, you could say, I sign on the dotted line and I want to do everything I can to please this one who loves me so unconditionally. And when you begin to do that, that's called righteousness. You begin to treat other people differently. You begin to treat the one you love differently. That's the way it's supposed to happen, right? In a marriage, right? So once you get married, you stop flirting with all the other people, right? That's what's supposed to happen because now you're committed. So this is mine. This is the one I choose. And so I'm not going to do all these other things. I'm not going to run off with all these other people now because I'm I'm not connected to this person. This is the one I desperately love. The same is true in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If Jesus is truly the one that you desperately love, then that's going to change the way you live your life because you're going to live your life to please the one you desperately love. And that's being adorned with righteousness, you see. It's being adorned with the jewelry like a bride which just takes you to the next level of beauty makes your life so much more beautiful. You see, you begin to focus your relation, on your relationship with Jesus, and it begins to transform. Listen very carefully. It begins to transform all your other relationships. In other words, now when you see someone who's poor, you cannot just walk by because you know the one you love desperately also loves this person, and something has to be done. And one of the things that bothers me most about what's happening in our government today is that they're no longer concerned about the people who don't have. And the one we love is desperately concerned about the people who don't have. And one of the exciting things about Greenfield Baptist Church is that the people here care about people who don't have. You heard Ron talk about it. You heard Connie talk about it. You heard Dan talk about it. This is who we are. Why do we care so much? Why are we so willing to give? Well, because we know the one who loves us unconditionally and continues to love us unconditionally. Cares just as desperately for those people. And we'll do all we can to show them how much the one we love loves them. You with me? That's called righteousness. That's called righteousness, and I watch as we choose, and we have to choose righteousness because the one who loves us wants to adorn us with righteousness. Now, here's this is what happens. When you start living in right relationships with other people, then your life begins to become filled with meaning and purpose and direction, and your life becomes so much better because you have a relationship with Jesus, and he's affecting every other relationship you have. So the person who hates you, who who can't stand you at work, the person who has stabbed you in the back a hundred times, all of a sudden comes in contact with someone who loves them anyway. And it begins to change you and them. It's awesome. It's called righteousness. And this is the year. You see, we can give thanks because God's going to use us in incredible ways to reach people that no one else cares about, the people Ron talked about. He's going to use us to reach those people who would hate us, the people that, that would stab us in the back at work. He's going to use us at school with those who have decided that there is no God and don't care two hill beans a bit about God. And yet he, God is most important to us. And somehow he's going to use us to soften their hearts and begin to work in their lives in powerful ways. This is the year. Give thanks because he's going to make you righteous. It's going to give you salvation clothes, And then lastly, Isaiah begins talking about growth. One of the struggles, I think, in our relationship with Jesus is we don't work to grow it. We think it'll just grow on its own. But I've discovered that that doesn't work very well. I discovered that with all my relationships. (laughs) You see, if I I just say, oh, well, you know, they'll always be there. It'll always be. All of a sudden, it's not. But if I'm willing to work at it, it will grow and get more intense and more deliberate. And that is true with Jesus as well. Do you notice what Isaiah says? As the soil makes the sprout come up and as the garden causes the seeds to grow. You know, it's all about the soil, isn't it? Uh, Dan and I uh, put in a few, few, f- a few food plots a number of years ago. And we spent a lot of time figuring out the soil, I, more than I cared to, to be honest with you. Uh, we needed to know the acidity of the soil, and so we sent that away, and we figured out how much, you know, lime we had to put on. You got to put a stinking lot of lime on a little bit of soil. It seemed like kind of foolishness. And, and then, of course, you uh, fertilize it, especially here with the clay soil. We have. So we put a lot of fertilizer on it, and, and, and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, last year I just plowed it up and threw some seed on it, and It grew. Some places. But when we spent time working the soil, all of a sudden that, that began to grow more and better. And so I did that the one year, and then I haven't done it since, and it's still growing pretty good. <laughs> but you really have to keep working on the soil, don't you, to really make it grow? Jesus told the parable about the, the soils. Uh, we usually call it the parable of the sowers, uh, uh, the sower, I mean. But I prefer to call it the parable of the so- soils because it's really not about the sower. The sower does the same thing. And, of course, the sower is a great image of God sharing his love. And he sows that seed in, in all these soils. And in some soils it grew and in some soils it didn't. The difference was the soil, right? And, and then Jesus, of course, the disciples didn't get it, right? Uh, the disciples had a hard time with Parables. Picture stories didn't always work with them. So they said to Jesus, explain it, explain it to us. And so Jesus begins to explain it to them. And this is what he says in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Where was it sown? In their heart. The seed was sown in their heart. And they understood not with their mind, but with their heart. And see, if you want your relationship with Jesus to grow, then something's got to change in your heart. You have to make your heart such that you're willing to open up to Him and understand what He has to say to you. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's really not too difficult. You have to be willing to listen, and you have to be willing to love. Two L words. Keep those in your mind. Listen and love will help you understand what God says to you and understand his kingdom. Now, now this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Uh, go back once again to that person you love, right? Now, we know that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? Is that right or is it the other way around? That's right. Okay, good. Uh, men are from Mars and women are from Venus so that... When we talk to each other, we totally understand each other the minute we sit down and talk. Right? Uh, when, when you got married uh, or when you got in that relationship, you sat down and you started talking to the other person. and Oh, yeah. It made perfect sense. Well, with them, it made more sense than with, <laughs> with the other women you talked to, huh, Kenny? Uh, well, that's amazing. That just tells us how awesome Veronica is. <laughs> uh, now, now the truth of the matter is you can listen all you want, uh, but you're not going to understand unless you really love that other person. Then you're willing to work at understanding, right? You just don't listen. You listen and try to understand. And you, you talk back and forth so that you can really understand. You don't just say, okay, this is the way it is, and I, I heard what you said, and this is the way it is, blah, blah, blah. You stop and you say, okay, this is what I heard, Is this what I hear you saying? And then you listen again. Okay, how does this apply? This is very simple. Okay, listen. It's very hard to do, but very simple. If you love Jesus, then you need to listen to Jesus. And a lot of people listen by reading the word and saying, oh, I understand what that says and going on to the next thing. Instead of saying, okay, I'm listening, Jesus. Speak to my heart so that I might understand. You with me? Listen, very important stuff, okay? Uh, when you pray, do you do all the talking? Most people I know when they pray, they, they do all the talking. Let me suggest that when you pray, you don't do all the talking. Shut up for a few minutes and see if Jesus wants to say something to you. So spend some time reading what he says, that love letter he wrote to you. It's called the Bible. And then stop and listen. Instead of talking all the time. And listen with a heart of love. Say, Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you love others. Tell me what this word means to me and to them. You with me? This would help us a whole lot with some of those passages that we use to beat one another with, by the way. And we might stop beating one another and truly loving one another like Jesus does. You see, it's not just one way. It's Jesus working in and through us. It's like breathing. Uh, Philippians says continue to work out your salvation. You don't work for your salvation, you get salvation. It's a free gift of God. But then put it to use, work it out. And then you will be able to work and act in order to fulfill his purpose in your life. It's like breathing. If all you do is breathe in, you'll die. At some point, you've got to breathe out. And God gives us his spirit, fills us, gives us all these blessings. What do you do with them? You see, this year, I think God wants you to grow in Him. And growing in Him means that you're going to take what He gives you and you're going to put it to work. You're going to be working to grow that relationship. You're going to be willing to face the struggles and the challenges. You're going to step out in faith. You're going to do things that you may never thought you could ever do. You're going to be a part of this body in a different way than you've ever been before. You're going to be taking that step of faith because you believe that Jesus wants to grow His relationship with you. And as you listen to Him and He gives you direction, and purpose and leading, all of a sudden your life is going to be different than it was this year. Why? Because you have a relationship with Jesus. You see, we're not just saved too. He doesn't just give us salvation close. He gives us salvation that grows, a relationship that grows. You see, we can give thanks to God for His salvation, what He's going to do this year. Because he's going to work in our lives, he wants to work in our lives. Let me say that. But you see, you have to have that relationship. It's about you and him. It has nothing to do with me. Has nothing, by the way. It has nothing to do with this body of believers. Okay, I want to be very clear about that. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you, and it begins today. If you're willing to say yes to him, this could be your day. So that this would be your year. Wouldn't it be awesome. To have purpose. Direction. And a relationship with someone who loves you unconditionally. That's what Jesus offers you today. He offers you salvation. He offers to save you from all those horrible things. But he also offers to save you to something that's incredible. But see he's not going to push it. He's not going to push. He's not going to drag you down the aisle. And make you sign the dotted line. He's waiting for you. And some of you have let that relationship lapse. You've been busy. Too busy. I know. Life is busy. i got too much to do. I don't have time. I've watched many marriages fail because of that. I've seen many relationships with Jesus begin to fail because of that. Jesus is always there ready to take you back. He's just waiting for you to say yes. This could be the day. This could be your year. Let's bow forward to prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you want to have such an awesome relationship with us. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, that for the many times when we think that we don't need you or that we're too busy for you or that we have other plans. Teach us, Lord, to trust you to listen to you, to love you. Lord Jesus, there are some who came this morning without a relationship with you and you've been speaking to their hearts all week and this morning they came here and you want to save them. Lord Jesus, we pray that you even now touch their hearts again and that they would they would open their hearts to your unconditional love. Lord Jesus, we pray that In this next year, we would be able to give you thanks over and over again for the way you work in our lives, for that relationship we have with you that gives us direction and strength and courage that builds us up. We can't thank you enough, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much and that you continue to love us and that you will always love us. And that you have put things together in our lives so that we could experience you and experience the most that life has to offer. And then eternal life on top of it. You're so good to us. May we never stop giving thanks. Throughout this upcoming year, Lord, when struggles and trials come, show us the way through. Build our relationship with you and with others that they would see you in us, that we would begin to see that your hand is at work in and through us as we walk together. Encourage us, lift us up. And Lord Jesus, we will give you thanks, not just today, not just this week, not just on Thursday, but for the rest of our lives. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for challenging us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.